to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Get 15% off any DIR 101 course and introduction to DIR and DIR floor time through ICDL.com by using the promo code AFFECTA15. That's A-F-F-E-C-T-A-1-5. Hello, I'm Daria Brown, and I'm here today with Stephanie Peters and Gretchen Kamke, who are both occupational therapists, and Colette Ryan, who is an infant and mental health specialist and a doctoral student in Fielding's Infant and Early Childhood Development Program with Fielding University. And they are all expert DIR training leaders, developmental individual differences, relationship-based model. And actually all four of us are coaches in the ICDL, Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning's DIR Home Program. And that's what we're talking about today. A lot of parents have wondered about getting floor time virtually and although it isn't virtual floor time per se, it is coaching to help parents mediate that process of floor time. So we wanted to give an example of virtual coaching with the DIR home program from ICDL. So welcome, ladies. Hello, everybody. So why don't we start with Colette? Um, she is one of the master floor time coaches who's just coaching up a storm all the time, and she absolutely loves it. Um, why don't you tell us what the DIR home program means to you when parents say, what is it? Mm -hmm. um, well, it, I think to talk about that, we need to go back to this program's infancy, which started during the pandemic, when parents didn't have access to services. And so they needed to become play partners. And so this program was developed during that time for us to be able to provide for parents that support. How can I do floor time at home? Tell me about floor time. Tell me what it is I'm supposed to do. Um, we made modules, which are learning, um, uh, learning modules for families where they'll have a PowerPoint. They'll have a lecture to listen to. Um, there's... Um, Links to recordings from Affect Autism that relate to the topic in the module. There's other outside reading. Um, as much as possible, we have linked in Dr. Greenspan's work so that everyone can hear his voice and hear his message. Uh, but the, the modules are meant to support maybe areas of concern or difficulty for families or areas that they want more information on. There are modules on each of the um, first six developmental capacities. There's modules on cue reading. There's modules on accommodation versus remediation. There's modules on pacing about the language of floor time, a relationship with food, sensory information. So there's many, many, I think at last count, there was about 40 different modules to support parents and in their interactions with their children. And so as I get to do that every day. Wow. And as a parent myself, I can speak from experience that, and I hear this from many parents too. I facilitate the ICDL's parent support uh, virtual drop-in on most Mondays. I say most Mondays because we're going to have a little bit of a break in August. But I hear this from parents all the time that 
I, I read, I read Engaging Autism, which talks about DIR floor time. I've followed your um, website, Affect Autism. I read the blogs, I've listened to the podcasts, but I don't know what to do now. And, you know, for me, it was a little bit of a, a different kind of entrance into floor time. I had some floor time sessions without really knowing what floor time was, except for the overall arching understanding that it was a developmental approach and not a behavioral approach. And only when I went in and started doing DIR courses, or at least learning about the functional emotional developmental capacities, it all made sense. And then even still, it took a few years to really understand what it is that I'm implementing. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you, uh, I'll go to Stephanie, how do you get to that process of a parent? Well, Okay, I'll ask you, the parent that is familiar with floor time, and then I'll ask Gretchen, the parent who's not familiar with floor time, who jumps in. So Stephanie, the parent who's familiar with floor time, so they understand the basic ideas of we're looking for intrinsic motivation of the child as opposed to compliance, and we're not teaching skills, we're, we're working on, you know, getting circles of communication back and forth with them, and so they understand all of that but they're still really stuck. And so they say, I'm going to get this home program and, and do virtual coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a common theme in the sense that a lot of the families that come to us have found DIR floor time because it feels good. And something about it resonates with how they parent, how they relate to their child, how they want to relate to their child. So there's this initial feeling of this is where I belong, but it's still a little abstract or what does this exactly mean? Or I tried it and it felt really clunky and I'm confused and I need more support. So I think that for, uh, for many parents that come to us, it's reinforcing the things that they already do naturally and intrinsically as a parent that is how they already really and engage with their child, but adding the DIR lens to it to really highlight you're doing all of these beautiful things that are that are things that are that we teach and we want you to keep doing that and and having the ability what from an outside lens perspective as a coach to be able to hone in on it and say when you did this this is what that is called. And look at all of these beautiful things that happened as a result. It's, it's adding a different level of mindfulness and intentionality to the whole experience in a way that I think organizes the, an interaction and helps someone feel like they're, um, that what they're doing is purposeful. And it's, I mean, we always want someone to have fun. If you're having fun, you're kind of already doing floor time, but this adds a different educational layer so that parents might feel a little bit more, they know why they're doing what they're doing. For sure. And then there's different layers too, where, where parents, a lot of parents that come in who are new to floor time have quite young children and they may have heard about floor time, but they try and interact with their child. And it seems like their child is ignoring them or in their own world or just running away. And they just are really unclear how to get that interaction going. Um, but Gretchen, I'll, I'll let you speak to that because I imagine some families that come in that are sort of new to floor time do have young children, but there might be a few that have come in later and they really are just learning about floor time after having done interventions of other kinds for years. I'll let you speak to, to those. 
Yeah. And so on the families that I work with, I have a couple that have, have older kids and, and really appreciate sort of the positive parenting, gentle parenting techniques, but still sort of feel a little bit stuck in helping their kids um, develop and understand sort of those emotional experiences that can feel really difficult. Uh, and so I think the DIR lens really can support and empower parents of, uh, of giving them the, the tools and strategies to really help their kids sort of make sense of the world and make sense of all of those emotional experiences that don't feel comfortable for the child or the parent. Um, and, and it's interesting, what I love about this home program is that it's different for each family. You know, like you said, some families come in with a lot of DIR knowledge. And so now we're sort of tweaking and, and honing some things, but some come really unsure and they just, you know, feel desperate in helping their kid and feel like what services they have don't really support their values as a family. And, and so we get to give them this gift of, you know, I, starting at the quest for safety, you know, and helping a, a parent understand their child's experience and really bringing in those individual differences, you know, like you mentioned, if we can help a parent understand their child's individual differences and how that relates to the D, those functional, emotional, developmental capacities and help them realize their R is their strongest tool, we really can give a family a, a gift of connection. And that's what it comes down to for me is, empowering parents to connect and attune with their children, which is helpful for the whole family. And it really is a learning experience for some parents to understand what does that R mean? What does relationship mean? Because of course I have a relationship with my child. I'm with them all the time, but we get into these patterns because the way the world is of bossing around our children all the time. And we might not think of it as bossing around our children, but we're telling them, go get your shoes, go get your shirt, brush your teeth, do this, do that, eat your food. And although that is necessary in some parts of the day, when we're playing, I mean, I, I was the queen of this telling my son how to do everything. Oh, look, this block goes in here. Oh, look, this toy does this. Oh, look, these are the ABCs and teach, 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 teach. When really we want to sort of step back and see and observe and see what the child's ideas are and how to join the child and so-called follow the child's lead sounds so simple, but it's really a big hurdle for a lot of parents because if you don't understand the child and you highlighted the individual differences, that's really the number one step is understanding how does the child experience the world? My son is always anxious, 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 anxious about everything. And if you don't understand that and understand why, like what is he experiencing? It's very easy to just let that go. And he feels unsafe because he's, his feelings aren't acknowledged. So you mentioned that quest for safety. So how do we make the kids feel safe? And that, that comes with like Colette mentioned, cue reading. Um, and so maybe let's go through an example of, um, you know, just a, a sample fictitious uh, family that we might come across and some examples of how you will coach the parent in the home program. I'm thinking about the parent who can't remember how to play. They've forgotten why we're playing, what, what play is all about. And with that parent, 
I might support them in something that they do like to do. I, we had a, a family, dad had difficulty playing on the floor, but he loves tennis. So we supported dad in making that connection with his child by introducing him to tennis. Now, a four-year-old playing tennis is quite a laugh anyway, so we got some real joy out of it, but it was the way that they could connect. And what dad needed to do was read the cues. He needed to attune to what the child needed in the particular moment. And then he had to allow himself just to have fun and forget about reading, writing, learning colors, learning shapes. That will come once we get that kiddo to be up at those that developmental ladder. And the way that we do that is through play. That the executive functioning skills that we need in order to learn are learned in play. And so it really, it, it, it makes so much sense when parents realize that by playing tennis or being playing on the floor and playing trains, that's all part of their goal of that academic learning. It's just that that has to come first and then the academics will be so much easier. I think that's one of my favorite parts about the home program in general is just that we take this beautiful idea and then we help parents really apply and individualize it to who they are as a family, what their interests are, and help to foster and cultivate this beautiful, deeper understanding of who we all are in the family. And what are those individual differences that are some of the challenges that are limiting either engagement or play or that makes some situations so difficult but once we can start to peel back those layers and see how it connects to the the FEDCs that developmental ladder and couple it with that beautiful rich relationship all of a sudden things start happening and it's it's not magic Dr. Tippy was saying it looks like magic but it's just allowing for development to start actually happening mm -hmm. and it's so fun just to be a part of um, and to watch through a screen and um, in my previous experience as an OT I typically work with children hands-on with families but a lot of the um the experience has been me helping children to work up that ladder, but with the home program, all of the power is given to the parents and it's, um, and, and it's so successful. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen is to, to be on the outside watching parents own all of these successes and gains. Once we can help point out some of these individual differences and relate it back to the model of what else can we do to slightly tweak this interaction and all of a sudden, it's just things happen and it's amazing. To piggyback off of both of those, those, those ideas shared by Stephanie and Colette is for so many parents, their interactions with professionals mm -hmm. are all about, we have to teach your kid the skill. We, we have to shape your kid's behaviors. And we sort of say, what they're saying makes sense, but it doesn't when you really zoom out. And we get to give parents permission to have joy, share joy with their kid. And, and not just for the sake of it, not just for fun, but for growth, for development. So there's this, you know, the paradox of, oh, when you sort of decrease some of the stressors and you just focus on connection and you just focus on 
what can we do together that we both love to do in a genuine way, you see behavior shift that might need to shift because they're, they're not the safest. Or you see skills develop that we didn't focus on. You know, you can, you can see all of these skills develop and mature because we're promoting development in a way that's meaningful and a way that's respectful. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love about DIR, but also the home program is, is we get to give parents permission to just enjoy being and playing with their, with their children, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is, is good for both, both nervous systems of, of the parent and, and the child. And we get to share in their pride in themselves. The parents share with us during their sessions, they share with us videos of themselves playing with their children. And we get to see that. We get to be so excited and, and celebrate even the smallest moment with the family. Um, many of the families that we see have gone to numerous, as, as Gretchen said, numerous doctors, numerous therapists, and, and they're always being told what's wrong with their child. But guess what? We get to talk about what's going right. And we get to use that to support families in working on the areas that might be more vulnerable. And we get to do all of that every week for 12 weeks, sometimes more because many of our families are signing up for many more home programs. And we get to be there and, and share in that joy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where the magic is. It's for us to see that. For me, that's just pure joy. Mm-hmm. And Colette, I know as a, as a parent, you feel that stress so much that I have to do, I have to do, I have to make sure my child gets to where they need to be. I have mm-hmm. to know that this is going to work. I have to, I have to, I have to. And so that switch that Gretchen talked about is really difficult for a lot of parents because if I'm just playing and laughing with my child, how do I know that they're going to learn the things that they're going to learn? And how do I know? And and Gretchen described that so nicely that by by taking those stressors off the child and by taking that those expectations off the child and just accepting them for who, for who they are, being there in the moment allows them to feel that I can just be myself. And then that development starts to happen naturally. And I can, I can say as a witness, I've watched my son for eight years, go through floor time and go right through those developmental capacities exactly as it's laid out. And I just want to say that even though those developmental capacities are listed there and Greenspan describes them all, they look different for each child. So I know people say, well, all kids don't develop in the same way. That's a neurotypical style of development. Well, it in the way neurotypical children go through it might be the same way, but the way our kids go through it looks so different depending on their individual differences. And, you know, I know there were times when my son was still in the first three capacities and I was just thinking, will he ever get to the fourth capacity? And will he ever start to do imaginary play? And is this ever going to happen? And you cannot teach that. Like, that's the most important thing. You cannot say, pretend this is so-and-so and make him go to the store. Pretend this, like, you can't do that. It happens naturally. And so 
whew, I'm going to get teary-eyed when I just say this. When my son started doing these things, I'm like, it's happening. Oh my goodness. And like, you can see how emotional it makes me just talking about, I talk about this all the time on every podcast, but it still makes me emotional seeing these jumps in my son. And that's what these ladies bring to you families is we really get to see like what you're doing well and point it out because a lot of parents like me are so hard on themselves and like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Oh, I didn't learn floor time early enough. Oh no, now I should have been doing this for the last few years. They're so hard on themselves and they think, you know, I have to be doing more. And this program allows them to see like everything they're doing, that's perfect. And you can't force things to happen. You just have to watch it unfold. And it's such a nice process. And, and that's the whole point is that it is a process and getting used to the fact that it's a process and not something you can force to happen. That's, I think, the biggest challenge for a lot of families. Gretchen, you look like you want to jump in. Well, something that I think about a lot is that we really cannot, like you said, we can't force, we can't teach development. We can try, you know, and we can say, oh, look, they're, they're imitating me. But are they, do they have the skills to really imitate the next thing? Or have they just learned to do this one exact precise skill? And so we can't force and teach development well, but we can create environments and we can create interactions that facilitate development and facilitate meaningful, rich, robust development that is generalizable. And once we can help a kid develop in the way that they're supposed to develop for them, we don't have to work so hard later on because now they have the skills to be able to learn things that are being taught. So that is something that I really think about a lot. We can't force it, but we can create environments that that entice a kid to interact with it because that's how kids develop. Kids develop through interacting with their environment and through interacting with the people within that environment. So how do we make that environment welcoming and enticing and, and how do we facilitate it versus force it? And, and that's so important, like providing the right conditions like that's what we can focus on. And Colette talked about that when she mentioned helping the father connect with the child through something he loves. So now they both have that opportunity to share joy with each other and connect, which may not have been there. So the more things we can try and and provide for our children, like maybe this doesn't work, but maybe this does work. And it's always a dance because our kids develop and then what ha- what worked last month may not work anymore. So um, how, do you, how do you go through that, Colette, when um, parents you know, feel like they're on the train now, all right, I'm on the floor time train, I'm cooking, I'm getting all these great interactions with my kid, and then they're like, oh no, now something stopped. So maybe their child had a growth spurt, maybe they start wetting the bed, or maybe they were out of, out of diapers, but now they're back, or maybe they were eating, but now all of a sudden they won't eat anything, or, all of these things that start to happen and parents get discouraged. How do you coach them through that? By first telling them they're supposed to do that. If you think about the work of Dr. T. Barry Brazelton with his touch points, he talks about that, that we go through all of these periods of yeah, things are crooked, things are going great. And then we have these standstills and that's supposed to happen. What we do as floor timers, Dr. Greenspan always told us when you've got a lag, 
you have to up the floor time. So my, I might suggest that we add another play partner into the mix. And, and I, I quite frequently suggest bringing in a neighbor. Dr. Greenspan told us the best floor timers are 10 year old girls because they're willing to play, they're willing to be silly. So if you've got a neighbor, bring that in. Um, high school or college students, wonderful resource is your local acting troupe. Right now, many of our actors are out of work because of COVID. They're such great actor, uh, players because they use their whole body. They have that great affect. So bring in another play partner to kind of get that kiddo cooking again. That would be my one of my suggestions. And also, don't worry about it. It'll change. It'll go back. It's one of those touch points that a kiddo has to go through and then they move up the developmental ladder. And in the parent support group, a mother just announced on Monday that she's expecting their fifth child. So I'll talk about parents who have multiple kids and they say, I don't have time to do floor time all the time. Bring in the siblings. Mm -hmm. And how do you coach them to, I, I have a podcast with uh, Christy Gozi on uh, floor time with family and with uh, peers and, and how to do that um, and what that looks like. And a couple of weeks ago, the, the floor time, DIR floor time camps where Rosemary White talked about having all of the kids supporting each other and all the ways to get the social engagement going. But what about parents who are like, I barely have time to survive, let alone do floor time with my kids and I have so many other kids. How do you incorporate all of that into the program too? I, I was just thinking that one of the best things about the home program is that we help floor time with the parents so that they can floor time with their children. And we provide the support and the, the, the touchstone for someone to come every week and say, to celebrate a gain or to, to express concern over struggling with feeling stuck. And this experience of not being alone, but having an outside eye to say, like, I hear you, this is really hard. Let's look at it and see if there are any, um, points that maybe we can flesh out that will help us make sense and understand what's going on. And then maybe get the ball moving a little bit more. Um, or just like, let's, let's look at these things. I've noticed that these individual differences might be coming up. Let's try these other opportunities for engagement and see if we can have a shift. And just having support to come back every week of there are different things to try, I think is so powerful for families so that there's continuous movement for the child, but the parent who's 50% of the relationship, right? So everyone needs to be supported. Um, and I think that's one of the, the coolest things that we can offer because it's an experience and there are lots of highs and lots of growth, but sometimes it's not always that smooth or easy for a lot of different reasons mm -hmm. and having support makes, I think, a huge difference. So to your question of what, how do you support parents that don't have time? It's, it's really helping parents understand what they're doing so well and to keep doing those things. And if something isn't feeling right, let's talk about it and we can figure something out because there's always something that you are doing that's working and that's where the floor time magic happens it doesn't always have to be carving out lots and lots of time if that's not realistic but that doesn't mean you're not relating 
and engaging with somebody, right? So it's, it's helping to kind of shift that perspective so that we can really see the successes and see the progress as a result of all of that interaction. And remember that the ICL conference last year was floor time all the time everywhere. So it doesn't necessarily, like, of course, we want to be playing with our kids, but when you can't, there's ways of interacting with your children around meal time that can be floor time and getting dressed that can be floor time and, and just doing bath time and all of these things. And usually siblings, as Christy Gozi said in that podcast, they're the ones that know the most and they're the ones that understand their siblings the most. And, oh, he doesn't like that when you do that, or he likes that when you do that, or she loves when this happens and they can really get in there and participate, which is so much fun. You know, having siblings play together is just beautiful. But if one has a high arousal level and the other one has a low arousal level, we may not get very far. So as the adult co-player, now we can facilitate between the two. So maybe an activity that brings down your high arousal kiddo, but helps to lift up your low arousal kiddo. Now the parent can mediate between those two so that we have that great relationship. That's Siblings is the only relationship where we have where we're told we're supposed to like that person. And we need to provide the experiences for kiddos so that they learn to enjoy being with their, their sibling. Their sibling might be their first peer mm-hmm. that they get to play with. And, and we have to facilitate those interactions also. But I think that's really hard for parents to always do alone. Mm -hmm. It's, it's in the, when the individual differences can be very confusing or overwhelming, especially with siblings involved, it all of a sudden becomes a very mysterious and confusing type of situation. Did you want to add anything to that Gretchen? Well, I think also helping parents realize that when we are thinking about the FEDCs, we're not just thinking about the child. Mm-hmm. we're thinking about our own FEDCs. And if I can help uh, a parent realize that, that maybe their own regulation might need some support and help them get curious about what kinds of things will help their regulation to support engagement with, with their family and just for them to feel okay and grounded within themselves. A parent who's who's, who might be stuck in survival mode, which is a, I mean, you have to survive. So it is a good mode to be in sometimes. Um, but that's stressful in itself. So how do we say, you know, what, what brings you joy and then tie it to what brings you joy with your child? You know, like Colette said, bringing in a meaningful game for that dad to play with, with their child. Um, and so just helping them analyze their own FEDCs to sort of help them realize that it is helpful in their own interactions too. I mean, analyzing my FEDCs really has given me permission to grow as a person and really has given me a lens of, of compassion. And when I'm feeling really flustered and I can say, whoo, something's happened and I'm having a tricky time in my FEDC one right now, like what can I do to shift? What can I do with someone else through relationship to sort of get myself back to a place where I'm able to relate and be a more logical thinker because we all, we all have our own Um, and helping and giving a parent permission to sort of think about that for themselves, I think is also really powerful. And their individual differences. Being in tune with ourselves 
lets us know, yeah, I don't like to play in rice. It just doesn't feel good to me. And with that knowledge, parents can say, okay, it's okay if you don't like playing in rice. There's a lot of other things you can do. But if they feel like they have to play in the rice, now we lose the, the affective connection that we're looking for. You know, they're both talking about the rice, but are they both feeling the same way about the rice? And what we're looking for is not just joint attention, which it's a wonderful thing, but we don't want just the two of us are looking at the rice. We want the two of us are looking at the rice, playing with the rice, and we're having a good time together. So we're having that affective interaction. So it's not just a shared experience, but it's a joyful experience between the two of us. This is getting us that ooey gooey moment that we're looking for. So tuning into our own individual differences and our own FEDCs just makes our interaction even more, more lovely and, and connected. And adding on top of that, some parents that, that understand or have experience with the concepts of using affect or having circles, but it like doesn't sit well with them. I've had many parents say, but I'm not a really effectively charged person. That's not my go-to. That doesn't feel right to me. And helping parents understand how they fit within the model, individualize it to them mm-hmm. um, so that they can go into an experience that might not be the norm and know where their own strengths are and how to make it work for them and how to piece apart all of the really, really complicated dynamics in a way where there's a vision and we know what the path is and how to use floor time to result in these experiences that when you do them, they just feel good and they look easy, but there's so much that goes into them that it's, um, that, that from the outside, it's like, what's the big deal? <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? This is a thing. It just look like you're having fun, but it's so much more than that. And it's empowering, I think, to have support, but also own those successes all on your own because it's you and your, your child or children. And that's, um, it's so meaningful. And I think that's a really great point, Stephanie, um, pointing out when things are going really good and why. I, I had a session on Monday with a family and, and I, I believe the story was the kiddos told somebody no that he didn't want to do something. And I was just cheering. And the dad said, tell me why that's important. And I thought it was such a great question. And one of the parents who participates in the DIR Home Program is actually here today to share her experience. So we are super excited to bring on Ashley. Welcome, Ashley. It's so great for you to join us. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. And Ashley, um, parents would love to hear other parents' experience of the home program. How long have you been in it? Where was was your head when you started and where is it now? And how has the process gone for you? Awesome. So we are, I think, nine weeks in. Um, At the time, I really was worried. My son was, he's four years old and he really had a hard time with preschool. He just hated it there. And so I wanted to find... I researched a lot to find something that could kind of create a bridge between home life, which was great. He felt comfortable and was happy there. And then, you know, bridging the gap between 
my house that was a safe place and then a new place that he had gone to for nine months and still hated. So that was kind of what motivated me to look for some options. I remember um, we had early intervention and our therapist had recommended floor time. Um, and so that was one thing that I, you know, I kind of pulled out all of my old papers and that stuck out. And so then I got on the website and just looked through it and it was kind of a hard choice because the, it's a big commitment. I think anyone that has anyone with autism in their family knows that commitment can be tricky just because you don't know what, what will happen and it's scary. And, um, so I, I remember I signed up and then the next few days before my first meeting with Stephanie, I had, you know, worries and anxiety. And I thought, should I hurry and cancel? Like, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like. But after the very first meeting with Stephanie, I just, um, I knew it was the right thing. And I, it was, it has been amazing to see my son's transformation. Um, he, like I said, was really happy at home but didn't talk a lot, didn't really, um, engage. Like we talk about circles and having lots of circles, his circles were maybe two or three little, you know, two or three circles. And then he was done. And I was in a position where I just anticipated his needs and was giving him stuff. So kind of enabling, um, or I guess I could say, um, reinforcing behaviors that kept him stuck. So that's kind of my general overview, but I'm excited to talk about more things that I learned through it and ways that he's, he's grown. Cause it is, it's so awesome. Well, you reminded me of um, a podcast I did with Mike Fields. He talked about robbing opportunities or stealing opportunities from our kids. And we sometimes don't realize that. And, and I'm a parent of an autistic son and, and he, I do everything for him. I know what he's thinking. I like, jump in and, and don't give him the chance to interact and to to engage and to tell me what he wants. And and that's a challenge for a lot of parents because we just want to do everything for our kids. But um, stepping back and and, you know, letting him tell me what he wants gives him a practice in a place that's safe. And then it's easier for him to do at school because by me doing everything for him, he get, he'll get to school and expect everyone to do everything for him there and expect friends to do the same. And, and he, that's not what's going to happen. So yeah, getting to that point where we can not steal the opportunities from our children. That's a very good point you brought up. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I remember my mom telling me, um, and I feel like it goes across the board with anybody, but you know, she would tell me to make my bed. And I think she knew that she could do a better job, but she had me do it. And there were days that it wasn't well done, but I finally got the hang of it. And then I, you know, it's just learning independence, I feel like. And so, yeah, that's been a huge part of my son's journey with this program. That's wonderful. Stephanie, can you describe a little bit about the progress you've seen in Ashley as well? <laughs> I don't think we have enough time for me to talk about all of that. Um, it's, it, it's been, and I, I feel like I've said this a couple of times, but it's so powerful and so special to be on the outside watching all of the growth happen that you just do naturally with a few of these added um, pieces of, of 
incorporating and integrating DIR floor time. But I, I remember it started with the very first couple of sessions where we were wondering about what, what circles we could make out of or what the meaning of an engagement with one of the ABC toys that was a source of frustration or stress or just like, I can't do this anymore. We've been doing this for like 30 minutes already. And, and like, how do I take this experience and turn it into something that is where we see that growth and change? And so starting there and, and then all of the, the spontaneous interactions that he's now doing and generalizing with other family members and the communication and language that's erupted. It's just, it's, again, I don't have enough time to talk about all of the amazing things that I've seen happen in such a short period of time. But I think it's, it's come from Ashley and correct me if, but my, my sense is that it's this deeper level of understanding and connection that's kind of facilitated all of these other outcomes that just happen more or less naturally because you're, the attunement is on another level. Not that you weren't before, that's always been a strength of both of your relationships, but it's just, it's, it's shifted a little bit. Yeah, Ashley, I can imagine that um, as a parent myself, having done virtual coaching in the past too, as a parent, not as the coach, which I also do, but um, just having someone validate what you're doing really is so much more powerful than you realize because you implement something and you think you're doing things right. And just to hear someone who sees so many different clients say you're on the right track and here's how you can tweak it a little bit is, is just so helpful. And that's something that carries forward and continues to build. Absolutely. I think that's been one of the biggest things that transformed our relationship and then has is has been the key that totally unlocked his growth because um, it was almost like he felt misunderstood his entire existence and that was frustrating and hard. And then there were just things that seemed out of his control. And, you know, there, there were some sensory processing things or whatever, but a perfect example that um, Stephanie kind of reminded me of was, yeah, he was playing with this little toy and there's a section on the other side that you can write. It's like an Etch-a-Sketch. So you can write on it and then erase it. And ever since he was one, he has loved the alphabet and he loves me to do that. And he would erase it. He would slide the eraser, but he had never taken control of the, the writing utensil or had never felt comfortable actually trying to do it himself. And what it took was 30 minutes going through it. And that's the thing I think as parents, we want life to move forward <laughs> in as normal way as it can. And it's hard to sit with something and our own feelings can sometimes get in the way. So like my boredom got in the way of how he's progressed because I was ready to move on where it was so awesome to see this. What happened was after going through it, he took the pencil over and he started tracing there. There's a little screen that shows the letters being traced and he took control of the pencil and then traced the things by himself and it was so awesome to see like I couldn't see his face because he was in my lap 
But Stephanie was like, Ashley, he's smiling right now. He is so happy. He's like so self-confident. All of a sudden he has this like glow of confidence. And so we just sat there in it and I'm like getting chills right now talking about it because that was something that he had experienced probably a little bit on his own through exploration, but we had never experienced that together. And then once we did, that was what I tried to experience later on. And so I could wait as long as I needed to in that moment with him so that he felt comfortable and confident to try it himself. And that has been just life, life changing, literally for him and for me, but it was just amazing. It's, it's so wonderful to hear. And, and like this morning I was driving my son to his summer camp and he loves the PJ masks songs and Mario Kart songs that we play. And I have a Spotify playlist for him and we played in the car and we just discovered there's new PJ masks songs two days ago. So we have the new songs there. And he's heard this song, you know, just a handful of times, but he said to me while I'm driving and I have to be careful because I'm doing this while I'm driving, it plays the first phrase. And he says, back to the beginning. And so then I press back to the beginning and then he listens back to the beginning, back to the beginning, back to the beginning, back to the beginning. And then I'll say, hold on, a car is coming. And then the car passes and then I'll do it. So he knows like, I can't just completely cater to him, but I try. And then, you know, if, if I had been stubborn and not done that, then I wouldn't have seen what I saw this morning, which blew me away as I'm driving. He's singing along every saw every word to this new song he just heard. And he's never been able to sing along with the song in general because of motor planning and, and that it's too quick. But mm-hmm. he listened, listened, and was practicing word here and there. And today I was like, I don't even know the words to that song. And I usually pick it up and I'm singing along all the songs too as we're driving. They're in my head the whole day. He actually sang the whole song today and I was just blown away. So it's just cute little things like that. I could see the smile, he's beaming on his face. And then without like acknowledging it, like I didn't want to embarrass him like, oh mom, you're embarrassing me kind of thing, even though he doesn't do that. I just like stuck my fist out to the back seat and he like fist pumped me and it was so cute. It was like just this wonderful experience. So yeah, these are, these are fun things. <laughs> Especially for parents, I think who have longed for that connection as long as their children have been around, you know, like we get little glimpses of it, but it is so fulfilling and rewarding. And it makes, it's like kind of out of this world. Like I have another daughter, so I've experienced her development too. And as parents, we have these proud moments and these things that just make us beam with happiness. And um, it makes the, the challenges that come with autism more understandable and more worth it. Now, I know that Colette and Stephanie and Gretchen will have to get to their next home program clients in a few minutes. So I want to just give Gretchen and Colette, do either of you have anything to jump in and say, just hearing Ashley's experience and um, knowing that, you know, you've seen parents too, and does anything jump out at you or Anything else you want to add to this podcast before we sign off? Yay. (laughs) Truly. Those are big yay moments. Mm -hmm. It's so cool to see a parent feel more connected with their kid. Mm -hmm. And when I think about this home program, that's what it is. It's connecting parents with their kids. Mm 
and and there's a lot of power in that mm-hmm. and and in that first session having that different type of way of relating and engaging and seeing every single week this blossoming intrinsic sense of curiosity in the world that your son has because he's so comfortable and being knowing that he'll be heard and understood and that it's just pouring out of him the the new relationships he's happily making and the new things he's he's discovering on his own and it's this whole world is opened up to him because of your strong connection and that feeling of safety that you cultivate with him it's it's so beautiful thanks yeah and I imagine Ashley that hearing about the different floor time like the capacities and just the tips that Stephanie's going through with you as you're noticing when you watch videos together probably has you observing things a lot differently with your child now yeah I used to think that development was like a ladder that you just climb up and you forget about the lower levels and I now look at some kind of the whole world, like it's a pyramid and that there maybe are some bricks missing in the lower levels. But then I could also recognize and value the capacities that he had that were higher up. And it's been so fun to see as we filled in those lower capacity bricks, how Mm -hmm. all of a sudden his growth in those higher capacities has shot up again, you know, where he's doing things that are extraordinary and it's just because he's got that solid foundation with those lower capacities. So understanding those, I think is probably one of the most valuable things that any, anybody experiencing or dealing with someone who has autism can learn because knowing those capacities and understanding how they work and you can see what they are, you know, what actions and where they fall, then it's like so much easier to help someone else understand and get into that with them. And it's also so much easier to see what might be causing a disconnect or an issue. And so I feel like that's kind of been like a radar system for me. (laughs) This helps me to, yeah, to tune in and know, okay, this is happening right now. Like this is, I get this. He's struggling with this first or second capacity. So I'm just going to hang out here and he'll get it. You know, it's been awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for sharing this with us. And thank you, Stephanie, Gretchen, Colette, for sharing your experiences and thoughts about the home program. And for listeners or viewers, check out affectautism.com. You can search home program, or I believe I'm going to call it um, virtual floor time. Uh, something about virtual floor time. So if you if you search that at affectautism.com, I will put uh, a write up with this post that will have links to the home program and um, other podcasts that I've referenced from before that you can look up. So thank you everybody so much for being here. Thank you. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please check the ICDL parent website at the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning for a virtual floor time consultation or for the weekly parent support meetings. We aim to help you implement your program at home using the Developmental Individual Differences Relationship-Based Model, or DIR, taking into account your child's developmental level, 
their individual differences and using your relationship with them to help promote and support their development. Until next time, here's to affecting autism through playful interactions.